Welcome to the Finance Cafe podcast, the business podcast for women entrepreneurs that breaks through the money taboo and explores what's behind the numbers. Join your hosts, Shannon Peston and Shauna Frederick every week as they dive into conversations about business and finance with women entrepreneurs and the experts that support them to answer all those questions you have about the numbers and maybe some you haven't even thought of yet. With their combined experience in business, finance, and accounting, Shannon and Shauna know that financial management is more than just understanding the numbers, but understanding how our unique lived experiences, knowledge, thoughts, and behaviors around money shape the financial decisions we make in our companies. Here on the Finance Cafe podcast, presented by Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, we're changing the way we talk about business and finance, empowering women entrepreneurs to see their business in a new light one conversation at a time. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Finance Cafe podcast. Today, I'm excited to sit down with Deborah Sherenfant. Deborah is the current regional manager at Women in Enterprise at TD Bank in Montreal. However, today's conversation, Deborah is going to focus on her time as an entrepreneur and she's going to share her lessons learned on paying yourself as an entrepreneur. In today's conversation, Deborah shares her vulnerability, her honesty, her truths, and provides some important tips that our listeners can take away as they carry on their entrepreneurial journey. So as you listen to today's episode, whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur or just getting into your entrepreneurial journey, Deborah is sure to share some tips that you can take away as you carry on your entrepreneurial journey. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Shauna. I'm very excited to be here. So I'm really excited for today's conversation because we are going to get into a conversation on paying yourself as an entrepreneur. And Deborah, as a current banker and former entrepreneur, you are going to share your tips and lessons learned as an entrepreneur. But before we get into today's conversation, I do want to acknowledge that it is Small Business Month here in Canada, and we know the importance of not only supporting small businesses, but ensuring that conversations like this are being had across a wide spectrum. So that's why Shannon and I wanted to start our podcast at the Finance Cafe, but also our financial literacy program at the Finance Cafe. So I encourage everyone during this month of Small Business Month to get out, support your small businesses, support your entrepreneurs, and ensuring that not only this month, but you're supporting them all the time. So Deborah, before we get into today's conversation, why don't you share with our guest, who is Deborah? Why, what do you do and why do you do it? Ooh, great question, Shauna. Thank you so much. Um, who is Deborah? Deborah is a girl, woman today, well, a girl from Haiti, so a little girl inside my heart, to be honest with you. And um, born and raised in Haiti, I've been in Canada for the last 18 years based currently in Montreal. And um, I'm a family person. I'm an advocate for women entrepreneurs. It's actually my expertise. It's been my my expertise for the last 15 years. I've studied in entrepreneurship and focused my area of work in uh, female entrepreneurship for the last 15 years. And um, I'm also a big, big believer, of course, in diversity and inclusion. As a Black woman myself, an immigrant person, it is very important to me to have and bring forward that discussion. I'm also a very a new plant mom, I have to say. And right now with the weather uh, that's outside, I realize that I should uh, 
bring back inside my 50 plus plus. I haven't done that, Ashana. So that tells you about how I'm good at planning. So this is why, that's what makes this discussion that we're going to have so much more interesting because I've been an entrepreneur. Um, I was in a fashion industry for six years. So I'm very, very excited to, to have the discussion with you. I love that this bringing this notion of the banker's perspective, the entrepreneur's perspective, but also that you've studied women entrepreneurship. So super yes. excited about that. And what's astounding to to us at the Finance Cafe is we know that entrepreneurs are working harder, working longer hours and taking home less pay. And I'd like you to share some of your, you know, some of your thoughts from when you were an entrepreneur as to how you were potentially paying yourself or not paying yourself. But why don't we start with you are working hard as an entrepreneur. We know that entrepreneurs work hard. So how did you compensate yourself for that? I have to say, and this is why looking back five years, four or five years later, after the the company that I had making fashion accessories, I can say that I didn't not compensate myself. And that's why looking back, I'm I'm considering all the mistakes I made. And the first one was not choosing a business uh, entity or classification that made it possible for me. And as you said, we work hard as entrepreneurs, harder when you're a woman, because you tend to make everything, want everything to be perfect, to have uh, the perfect product, the perfect service, the perfect um, office, everything has to be close to perfection as possible. So yes, you do work hard, you hustle. That's a word that we hear often. So you hustle very, very hard until you make things happen. And I think that's also the reason why one of my first tips today would be choosing uh, a business, yes, close to your values, close to your expertise, but also an industry that is viable and that makes enough money for you to be able to think and also plan on having a salary or taking, for example, owner's draw based on the business entity that you have um, to be able to take some money out of the business. Because if, you know, firsthand, you don't have that planning in, in, in mind and you don't see the business as, as a way of compensating yourself as, as living out of that business, then the chances are down the road, it's going to be more and more difficult for you to add that into the mix. I love that you've added in that paying yourself a living wage, right? So choosing that business. And we know that most entrepreneurs go into business, especially women entrepreneurs, because they have a passion for something or they see a solution to a problem and they want to take it to market. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's not a viable business in terms of how much money can I pay myself in order to pay my living expenses. So Thinking about our living expenses, going back to how much does it cost to run my household? What do I need for rent or mortgage and vehicle and insurance and put food on the table? So yes. all of those items. So the importance of going back to that business plan mm -hmm. and the budget that I know our listeners hate it when I say the word budget, <laughs> but that budget that goes along with it. So Deborah, tell me, when you started your fashion accessory business, did you have a budget in place when you started out? I had everything in place, to be honest. I had, well, I had a business plan. I did not have a budget, but I did have, of course, the financial the financial forecast because like I like I mentioned, I studied in entrepreneurship. So I know in theory 
everything that, you know, I was supposed to do in terms of planning, building the business. But what I didn't have in mind, again, choosing uh, an industry that is viable, fashion, not so much, not always, and especially an accessory, so which makes it even more difficult because of price range that you can make out of accessories is still limited, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I did have a, uh, I did have the financial forecast, you know, covering like the next three years when I started my, my business in 2012. And um, I didn't work with a budget, like uh, a monthly budget or even a, a some, um, something that would go over like three or six months. I did not work with a budget. And that's definitely one of the mistakes that I made. Interesting. And what I love is the honesty behind this because so many entrepreneurs, mind you, we know that two thirds of small businesses do not have a budget, right? We know that. We and know that. Shannon and I are trying to change this one conversation <laughs> at a time, the importance of this budget. So for our listeners out there, this is normal if you don't have a budget, but the benefits of doing so, and we did a whole other conversation on budgets a few uh, podcasts back. So go back and listen to that. But So the importance of understanding how much you need from your business to pay for your personal lifestyle and that budget can help support with that. So did you realize at some point during that entrepreneurial journey that you needed to put that budget in place? I did not know. And even um, if you had told me in theory, and this is why what you just mentioned, Shauna, is so important. Even if I if I go back 10 years from now and somebody would have told me, like, you need a budget in place um, for the business. Uh, well, you need a budget in place. Point. And then I would have taken it only for the um, and use it only for the business. The reason why I say this is when you're launching a business, the mindset that you're you're like in um such in a mindset of everything for the business, right? You don't necessarily think about you, what you need, your living expenses, what are your personal goals with the business? You see the business, of course, as an entity, but also as a baby. I want to say this because as women entrepreneurs, we do see this as our baby, our product, um, a part of ourselves, but we don't um, see like the personal uh, aspect of it all. And when if I were told uh, 10, 12 years ago, like you need a budget set in place, I would have put a budget in place, but you know what I would have done? I would have only um, thought of what the business needs, mm, mm-hmm. not what Deborah needs. What not, oh, Deborah needs to make a certain living wage to be able to function and to be able to run this company because Deborah has eaten, Deborah has a healthy lifestyle, Deborah is able to travel to go see her parents back in Haiti. And all of that, if I had taken that into perspective, maybe it would have made more more sense. But I think with the information and baggage that I had 10, 12 years ago, I would have only made a budget for the business. What does the business need? The budget, uh, the business needs a website, needs a logo, a marketing campaign. The budget, uh, the business needs this and this and this. But what about Deborah? I did not have that knowledge back then. I so appreciate you reinforcing that that in the importance that your business is supplying or supporting your personal lifestyle. So the importance of tying those two together and understanding these are my personal goals. This is my personal lifestyle budget. This is how much money I need to support this lifestyle. And my business is supporting that. So embedding that in there, so important. So 
going back to to that first tip, so choosing a business that can that can generate enough money in order to support your lifestyle. And so you talked about the fashion accessory industry. So because of the the lo- potentially lower price on that, the volume that you would have had to generate was significant. Significant. And uh, it also adds pressure and more work, obviously, on my shoulders because I was, yes, the owner. Although I was not the one making the accessories, I was hiring, actually, um, seamstresses to to be able to uh, to make the accessories. So, again, another uh, point or another opportunity for me to spend money by paying people to make those accessories. So, there you go. My profit mar- margin was getting lower and lower, but I wanted to do this business. I, I could see myself running the business, but not living off the business. And that's a very um, important aspect when you think about how to pay yourself as an entrepreneur. Uh, and for those listening right now, ask yourself that question. Are you seeing the business as been like fully viable on itself? Or do you see yourself being viable with the business as well? And again, the fashion accessories and the pricing, that's also one of my tips. The pricing that I set at the uh, at this point when starting the business, it would never have happened for me to be able to take out a salary or be able to live off that business. And the math wasn't mathing. Like I'm going to use a, a term that millennials hear today. The math was not mathing at this point. The math was not mathing. Nope. Love it makes sense. I love that. And so elaborate on that for some of our non-millennial listeners. So when you say the math wasn't mapping, what does that mean? It means the numbers were not adding up. Like, uh, for example, I'm going to be like uh, maybe a bit too much detail. Um, Like I I was making bow ties and my bow ties were selling for uh, ranging from $25 to $40. And the cost of making... Um, human like the labor for making each bow tie was uh twelve dollars, okay. and that's not considering the fabric. That's not considering me going to get the fabric and also the, the different accessories. Thank God, uh, bow ties don't need a lot of uh, fabric and a lot of uh pieces like uh, the buckle to be able to tie it. But you were looking at a cost of fabrication for a single bow tie that could go up to fifteen, seventeen dollars. At this point, I was like, you know what? It makes sense. Not that I was, uh, I'm going to have a, a bit of self-consciousness right now. Not that I was stupid. Again, I studied in entrepreneurship. I'm supposed to know this. And you know why it makes sense, Shauna? Because in my goal for the business, I wanted a business who was making uh, their production in Montreal, hiring women, paying a living wage for these women. And that was important to me for the business. But me in that equation, was it wasn't adding up. So that's why I said the math was a math thing for me. The business was working. I was paying my, uh, my, 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 my um, colleagues, uh, my employees, the minimum wage, the, a certain living wage. But it wasn't mathing. So every bow tie that I would sell, I would make like let's say anywhere from ten, fifteen, or twenty dollars. But then covering all of the other costs of my studio space, the events that I was um, that I was making to be able to sell those accessories, the math wasn't mathing. 
I I love the honesty again here, Deborah, because you learned so much as during this entrepreneurial journey. And what I find so fascinating, and I hear it and see it time and time again with women entrepreneurs, is we want to support other women. We want to bring other women into our entrepreneurial journey. We will pay them a fair living wage. We will we will give them the tools, the employment. But when it comes to Deborah, when it comes to ourselves, we're like, no, we're going to put me on the back burner so I can support these exactly. other women. We're going to put everything we have, literally everything we have into this because it's important. It's what's right. And it's what uh, is going to make you proud of yourself. That's going to make your family proud of you. And it's important. But then what happens? And that's also one of the, the, the tips that I wanted to share um, in terms of choosing a business entity but also setting that objective of being able to pay yourself because this isn't an hobby. This is not a lifestyle uh, choice. This is a business we're talking about. And if you don't have the goal set up, you know, up front of being able to live off of that business, then what happens is you work so much, you get tired and probably eventually go into burnout. And we don't want that. And we see so many cases, especially right now, Shauna, I know you're looking at stats. I know you're looking at small businesses, especially October being small businessmen. How many, just here in Quebec, the number of uh, closings that we have, and it's mm-hmm. becoming a real issue um, in entrepreneurs who are raising the flags, uh, the, the, the flag about mental health, being so tired and not being able to make it. And I'm not you know, making a direct link into those entrepreneurs, then make a, then plan a salary. So that's why they're closing right now. No, it's, I'm really highlighting the fact that if you don't set up the goals, right. Um, in the beginning, and also it all, what, what it makes you do is makes you work harder, makes you hustle harder, but you don't get to that end goal that you would need to live off of that business. So it just doesn't make sense. One hundred percent, and I'm I'm going to tie this back into your pricing. Your your last tip on the math wasn't mapping. So when we think about pricing, let's take your bow ties. Mm-hmm. So you were selling them. You were making you said on average, say ten ten dollars just for some easy math. You're making on mm-hmm. average ten dollars a bow tie yes. before paying any rent, your salary, that sort of thing. But if yes. you wanted to take out a hundred thousand dollar salary earning $10 on those bow ties, you would have to sell 10,000 bow ties just to pay yourself, never mind rent, utilities, every other, everything else for the business. So for the entrepreneurs out there listening, going back to your pricing strategy, thinking about, okay, let's break this down into if I'm making $10 on every unit that I'm selling in Deborah's case, bow ties, I have to sell 10,000 units to pay myself a living salary. Is that feasible? Is the market there? So going back to pricing, understanding what your costs are, looking at your income statement, (laughs) and then do math there, and tying it into your setting objectives, right? Your third tip, setting those objectives for how you're going to live off this company. You said, you know, do you want to be running the business or Mm -hmm. do you want to be living off the business? There you go. 100%. (laughs) Setting setting those good goals. So great lessons learned as you are working through this entrepreneurial journey, because I'm sure and every entrepreneur has the best of intentions when they're going into business. You set out your objectives for the business. You are going to, you know, hire these other women, women, they're going to, you're going to support them. 
but how are you going to support yourself? So when you think back to the setting of objectives, what's one key thing that you wish you would have done when you started your business? Um, honestly, um, you know, in preparing for this conversation, I was um, about uh, that I'm having with, uh, with you right now, Shana. I literally went back 10 years ago and it really uh, brought back so many mixed emotions, but also a lot of sadness, to be honest with you, just uh, continuing on the transparency there. Um, because the number one objective that I did not set for this business was not only the big vision, but I think it's linked. The big vision for the business for it to be like, not a small business only. I want this to be like big. I did not set that goal because in my mind, I'm starting small. Again, put everything in the mix of the fact that I'm a woman, young woman at the, at the time, a uh, Black woman, and per, um, person who wasn't born here, an immigrant. So you're adding everything in, in the mix and say, well, I have so many things to learn. You know, I don't know this field and I didn't study in fashion. So when you add all of that together, um, my thought process was I'm starting small because I need to learn. And not setting a big vision for the business and also not setting a big vision for me within that business was definitely were the two mistakes that I made, to be honest with you. And that's why after six years, eight years, close to eight years of working and then the pandemic happened. And then I'm like, this is too much. Oh. This is, I'm tired. This is too much for me to handle. So I'm closing. I, again, this transparency that you're sharing with our listeners and going back to sadness, right? And we see so many entrepreneurs, they start to resent their business, right? They either resent it, they become, you know, there's this, there's this fear, there's this sadness, and there's sometimes a shame factor that comes in. Oh, yes, 100%. Because... Again, going back to how we started, this perfectionism that so many women entrepreneurs have, we expect everything to be perfect. Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes we don't set those big goals for ourselves because we're either scared mm -hmm. or like you said, we think, well, I don't know enough. So I'm going to learn and I'm going to start off small. But once we start to write those goals on paper, and not only the goals for the business, but the goals for this is how much the company is going to pay me. We can start to visualize it. We can start to realize it. And then it's taking that, that information and working with the financial information that we have available to us, our income statement, our balance sheet. How am I going to bring this to life using the tools that I have? And more importantly, what support do I need? External support do I need to help me realize this? So when you think back to your business, who do you think could have helped you potentially realize these goals or who did you have helping you along the way? I didn't have a lot of professionals helping me along the way, to be honest. And that's why that's also part of my tips. Consult like um, uh, an accountant, tax specialist from the beginning, not when it's too late or when you're like uh, uh, stuck with your numbers, with uh, the revenues that you're not making, the, uh, the salaries that you're not paying. So be surrounded by professionals. And that also goes back to the uh, 
the small vision, start small. Oh, I don't have money right now to pay for an accountant. You know what? I'm going to put that money into buying fabric. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense when I look at it. And and going back to what you said, the shame around it. And that's why I was uh, also a bit sad looking back at, uh, at those years is, Deborah, you're supposed to notice you've studied entrepreneurship. You've had accountant courses. Like you, out of a lot of people, should be able to call somebody, a fellow, uh, you know, student that is now uh, a CPA or just a lawyer, be able to set those boundaries uh, from the get-go and be able to have those goals. I was like, no, I'm going to start small because I don't have. But the thing is, and it's really true, and I've lived it, and now I can say it, it only ends up costing you more, you know, having to adjust, having to repair those mistakes that you made because you didn't have the right professionals by your side, on your board, um, with you from the beginning. And just it just ends up costing you more. So that 250, 500, 300, name it, of just one hour or two hours of having that knowledge, just be able to, to talk to somebody who knows what you're doing, who knows where you're at, and who's seen others. It's just, it's honestly, I think of the, uh, of the ad for MasterCard when I say this. I'm like, for everything else, uh, it's just, the numbers keep adding up. But for everything else, there's like an accountant that you should definitely see. I love that. <laughs> for everything else, there's an accountant. <laughs> that is music to an accountant's ears, Deborah. <laughs> Honestly, and it's just, and I know that people may read it sometimes, but when you live it and um, you've been through it and uh, you actually realize you add value to those things after. So if you can, for those listening, if you can really take notes from my experience, because I am not an accountant, so I do not have anything to sell telling you this, but really um, seeing professionals like accountants, tax specialists, lawyers from the beginning. And and I think it also, because you were talking about visualization um, earlier, and I think it gives a certain oomph to your business as well. Just be able to, because you take your business so seriously, because you add so much value to what you're doing, that you're going to see experts to be able to structure it. And I think also psychologically, it must do something to you, to your path as an entrepreneur, to your business as well. Just be able to say, well, you know what, from day one or two, I am seeing experts because this is what I want to do. And this is where I want to take my business instead of, well, you know what, I'm going to take a little bit of piece of paper and write something down and start small, blah, blah, blah. No, you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your business to start it the right way. I love that advice because, and even we go back to cost and we know the challenges with starting a business or even running a current business costs mm-hmm. are a challenge, but I can guarantee you there are professionals out there in your network that will sit down and have a coffee with you free of charge, offer to buy mm-hmm. them a coffee. And Deborah, sure. as, as a current banker, 
you could probably have a great conversation with your current banker to say, hey, can I take you for a lunch? I want to pick your brain about something. I did that. Yes. There's not necessarily a high cost to it. It's finding some professionals. Yes, you're going to need a paid professional support during your business. And, you know, I love Deborah's tagline for everything else. There's an accountant, but I always ask clients, right? Well, you want to save money here, but what's the cost of not doing this, right? When we look, you know, two years, five years, even three months down the road, what is the cost of not asking this question now. And sometimes that cost can be very significant. So reaching out to your network to find the professionals in in your network to ask a few questions. Reaching out to the various women's organizations across Canada, right? Connect with women's, uh, WEOC, the Women's Entrepreneurship Organization Canada. They have organizations in each province that can support you along your journey. Often it will be free support. Right. And once time the time comes that you need that paid support, you'll have a good framework down. But I love this still going back to, you know, setting those that big vision for your company. And remember, big is big is whatever big is to you. <laughs> it's that and that's that where again, true. right? I'm sure that Deborah, you've had this conversation too, where we think we think big. Well, what is big? Big is whatever big is to you. Right? Exactly. It, is, it is your goal. It is your business. Putting that down on paper so that you can realize those goals so that you can pay yourself that living wage that you need to support your lifestyle. So, Deborah, we've gone through, I think, four of your tips. I think you have one more tip for us, either lesson learned or or a tip for a current entrepreneur. What do you have for us? Yes. And that last tip actually isn't uh, necessarily related to, let's say, accounting or um, finances, but it's also something I think is important, especially as somebody who's very much involved in female entrepreneurship and the ecosystem here in Quebec is after, you know, so I'm just going to go quickly over the, the tips. After choosing a business entity, close to your values, but also an industry that makes money for you to be able to have a viable business. After setting the objective of being able to have a salary, being able to live off of that business, because it's not a hobby, it's not a lifestyle, because what will happen is you work too much, you get tired, and then you eventually go into burnout. We don't want that for you. Pricing a way to be able to take out that salary or take out that that amount of money that you need to live off and be able to support your business after. The fourth tip, choosing a method. Do you want to take a salary, dividends, or is it based on the classification of your business? Is it a sole proprietorship? Do you want to take a, you know, draw money like each month, different amounts based on your needs? I would, I did that for a few months. I would not encourage that, um, you know, as a long-term way for you to do things because it just gets complicated and you don't have the professional aspects of structuring your business in a way that you can say, you know what, this is the business separately and this is me separately. So I do encourage uh, just to have that corporation side of things. And the last but not least, and, and Sean, I think you're going to agree with me on this one, is once you've set all of those goals, define the amount that you want as a salary. It's probably benchmark that um, that salary with, yes, the industry, yes, the region, but also gender-wise. 
Because again, as women entrepreneurs, um, you're going to say, well, you know what? I want a salary of 2000. I've seen that, you know, um, I've coached a few women and, oh yeah, I just want 2000 just to be able to pay my rent. Oh, I just want 1500 just to be able to do this. No, I highly suggest that you benchmark, you know, what are other, uh, your counterparts in the same business? How much are they making? Are they paying themselves hundred K a year? Are they paying themselves 200? Because again, that's also how we as women contribute to the stats and be able to have that representation that we want, that we need from coast to coast to coast. Yes, but also thinking no, it's not by lowering your standards, lowering your goals, lowering the amount of money that actually you're owed because the business is going well, hopefully for you. You are making those numbers, but still taking uh, uh, the least amount of salary. You know, I I highly suggest you ben- benchmark that number and see. Okay, what are other my counterparts, either women or or men or um, other genders, uh, are making, and what's the number in my region as well, and also what's my industry like? You know, going down the road, how can I expect to make more money. So benchmark that salary. I love that last tip. Benchmark that salary. And what I love about this is we can set as entrepreneurs, we can set that here's my benchmark salary that I want to achieve. I might not be able to to set my salary there right now when I'm starting, but here's the goal that I'm working towards. Yeah. Right. Because again, once we set that on paper, we have something that we're working towards. We like to talk about budgets. Again, our listeners hate it when I talk about budgets, but we like to talk about budgets. It's the same as driving a car blindfolded. You have no idea where you're going in your business without a budget, right? What are what am I trying to achieve? Where where am I headed? Where am I vision? So we talk about that vision. We talk about that salary goal for you as the owner of the business and looking, yes, to industry statistics and, and, and gender specific saying, you know what, just because, you know, women are making 62 cents on the dollar in some cases, I don't need to be that statistic. There you go. I can bump that raise. And more importantly, if I was to hire somebody, because we all entrepreneurs, we hire those great people. If I was to hire somebody to do the role that I'm doing in my business, how much would I pay them? And why should I pay myself less? I couldn't have said it better. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Such, such great tips, Deborah. I so appreciate your insight, your honesty. Before we wrap up, do you have any, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to share with our listeners today? Honestly, Shauna, this was a great conversation. So thank you so much. And I think we've uh, shared them enough, but just enough for them to realize that the budget is necessary and just having your image in my mind driving blindfold that is scary Shauna that is very scary and we don't want that for you uh dear listeners we do not want you to be out there driving blindfolded so please please set up a budget I was not aware that I should have done it and I'm a hundred you know what make it 200 confident that if I had it in place my business would still be alive today Oh, I love I love that closing remarks. Deborah, for our listeners out there who would like to connect with you, where can they find out more about you? Oh my God. I have so much information on, on me. So LinkedIn, um, Instagram, 
definitely shoot me an email at TD. So Deborah.shanoffa at td.com. So first name dot last name at td.com. Please reach out. I'll be so happy to share some tips and maybe a coffee. You know what? Well, you never know. If you're passing through Montreal, just uh, say hi and then we'll probably grab a coffee. I love that. I love that opportunity. And we will share all of your details in our show notes for our listeners. And again, Deborah, thank you so much uh, for sharing your lessons learned as an entrepreneur and for the opportunity for our Montreal listeners to to connect with you uh, at TD to go for a coffee, share some additional insights. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. Please be sure to check out thefinancecafe.ca for additional information on our financial literacy workshop. And if you like today's podcast, uh, leave us a note, give us a thumbs up and share it with your network. Deborah, thank you again and have a wonderful week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Finance Cafe podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. And to ensure you never miss a new episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on social at the Finance Cafe official or on our website at thefinancecafe.ca. See you again next week for another episode of the Finance Cafe podcast.